0: My guest today is Katie Hess. Katie is a flower alchemist, which is such a beautiful title. She's a flower alchemist. She's the author of Flower Revolution and the founder of Lotus We. She teaches mindful awareness practices at flower launch events around the world and hands out flowers to strangers in the middle of the streets in what is known as an urban flower flash mob. She also hosts the Flower Launch podcast with listeners in over 75 countries, and she's the founder of the Self-Arising Nature Center in Phoenix, Arizona, which is a center for flower essence education experience and practitioner training. When her signature elixir was featured in the Oprah Magazine, the New York Times, and the LA Times, her flower power community started thriving across the world. So I'm sure we're going to have a wonderful conversation about a topic that we've never covered in slow-mo before, which is the healing power of flowers with Katie Hess. Katie, thank you so much for joining me. I have been stalking you a bit online since I know we're going to be talking, and I'm really, really looking forward to our conversation today. It's not a topic that we've ever covered on slow-mo before, but I think it's a topic that you've spent almost a lifetime dedicating to. So I'm hoping it will inspire a lot of people. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure to be here. Thanks, Mo.
0: So I have to admit, because it's good to admit your ignorance sometimes that before I knew we were going to meet, my producer, Munir, which is an amazing gentleman, said, oh, this is going to be such a sweet conversation. Katie works on flower arrangements. And I was like, oh, that's so pretty. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so how do we talk about flower arrangements on a podcast? Maybe let me find out a bit about Katie. And no, no, it's not flower arrangements. It's flower alchemy. Mm -hmm. So I was totally ignorant and I, I can tell the whole world, I'm still very ignorant almost, but it's such an interesting concept. What is flower alchemy? What is this about?
1: Yeah. So when we think of alchemy, we think of the old times of converting metal into precious gold. So flower alchemy is like taking what's inside of you that you feel is some kind of junk metal and converting it into gold with the the help of flowers. So in some senses, it's like flower arranging. I'm out in the wild collecting flowers that all of us need for healing and putting them in arrangements that can help our cellular messaging and help us release self-limitations so we can reach our full potential while we're here.
0: Oh, wow. There were so many... Mega statements. To start,
1: (laughs) slow
0: down. (laughs) So, for starters, there is a lot of junk metal inside. So, what, what kind of junk metal are you talking about? I mean, is this for stress? Is it for sleep? Is it for finding God? What are we about here?
1: Yeah. So there's a range. I mean, you can start with, damn. I'm living in this modern lifestyle and there's so many invisible waves everywhere and it's overstimulating me and I can't sleep or my mind is racing at night and I just can't let go. It can start with something like that where I wake up in the morning and I'm just like, gosh, like a little bit unfulfilled and I wish there was more. Or I feel like I have this sense that there's something else I'm supposed to be doing. It can start there and it can move all the way to, okay, I have identified what my glitch is i have identified what is holding me back you know the root causes or like the the one thing that man if i could just overcome or transcend that i would be unstoppable so the beauty of this antidote called flower remedies which is very simple and natural is that it works with us to help us see what's holding us back so we can work through it and be bolder, bigger, fiercer, more powerful versions of ourselves.
0: Sounds amazing, right? But sounds a bit, I don't know, I mean, this sounds a little more spiritual if you ask me than it is medical. So it's not remedy like in, hey, take an antibiotic, (laughs) obviously. It's more remedy as in connect with something that you, you said touches your cellular, messaging, what does that mean?
1: So the way that my flower essence teacher would explain it is that we carry in each of ourselves, not only information about all the way back to when we were born, right? In every single one of ourselves, we know that, but that also we can carry information from our family lineage. So up to six to eight generations back in our family, we think, oh, these thoughts that I'm having are unique to me. And in fact, many times we're fooled into believing that the thoughts we have Are us, but they are us. And in fact, they're just thoughts. And sometimes when we think that there are unique thoughts to ourselves, they're actually the same things that our great grandmothers and great grandfathers and great 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 grandfathers were thinking. So the trick then is in this beautiful life to be able to identify a little bit what's us and what's not us, Mm. and to be able to turn down the volume on those thoughts that arise from our family lineage, let's say, and turn up the volume on what is our true nature, what is really
0: us. This is so beautiful. How do you do that? I mean, this is like the secret to all of life.
1: Okay, so I'll use lots of metaphors. When you go to nature, right, Mm -hmm. every human has had the experience where you go out into the wild and then afterwards you're like, oh my God, I forgot what this feels like. I feel mm. so much more me. I feel so much stronger. I feel so much calmer. I feel so much more like wondrously in love with the paradise where I live and life itself.
0: Mm.
1: And it's more to do with than just oxygen. Oh, totally. There's something else going on when we're out in nature. So, and we knew that as kids, right? When you think about when you're a child and you're playing around trees and flowers and the natural world, we know everything is like, miraculous we just get older and crustier and we forget about all that magic right
2: <laughs> mm, Absolutely. Okay.
1: so you go out into the wild and imagine that life is a bit like the movie avatar like if you could see with your naked eye all of the floral and botanical wi-fi i'm going to use technology terms so we can try to visualize it that is occurring in space I mean, it would be so beautiful to be able to see we carry around these little boxes in our pockets and if someone had said hey mo when you get older you're going to have this little box in your pocket and it's going to transmit invisible waves that you can't see and like a magic carpet things will ride on these invisible waves from the magic box in your pocket and you can send poetry and music and images and videos and podcasts and videos on these invisible waves that we can't see like how on earth does that actually work right? (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm.
1: We all use all of this technology all day long, every day, but none of us really, I think, have a clear grasp on actually how it works. And we can't see it, but we believe wholeheartedly that it works, even though we can't see it. So is it such a leap to imagine when we go out into the forest or out to the beach or to a wild place, that every single plant and flower has its own specific language, music, poetry, whatever you want to call it, information that it is emitting, almost like Wi-Fi. And when you walk in nature, your body in its innate wisdom has the capacity to upload, download, upgrade the messaging from the earth. Does that make sense?
0: Makes a ton of sense. So the idea truly is that Surprisingly, I was reading actually about this yesterday. I'm reading a book called My Victor, which I haven't decided yet, but it's so intriguing. And he's talking about all of those, you know, people who have psychic abilities and the idea that they could actually see the halo, the energy surrounding everything. It's not us. It's not just surrounding living, biological, you know, moving beings, but you know, a tree would have a certain hue of a color around it and you know a flower would have a different one and another flower would have a different one and all of those energies if you want are there for all of us to walk through and access and interact with and what you're saying is that when we are out in nature we get those things in us we sort of receive them like our little phones receive wi-fi and these are messages that reprogram us as they instruct our phones to do things.
1: Yes. And rather than thinking of it as reprogram, it's like stripping away. So anything oh, that's I love
0: that yeah. static
1: or stuck or like the junk metal, anything that is no, no, no longer needed, it helps harmonize it. It's like a, if our body were an orchestra, all of the instruments come into tune so we can operate at our full capacity and efficiency.
0: And so when, when you're talking about flower remedy, is that, is that the idea of us Oh, by the way, I'm asking rhetorical questions because I studied everything about Katie. I'm just asking for the favor of you guys listening. So <laughs> <laughs> are you talking about walking in nature, connecting with flowers? By the way, I was watching your videos. I just moved to the Dominican Republic for three weeks just because I needed to completely retreat. and have those beautiful flowers around me and I'm suddenly for the first time realizing them, re- recognizing them, connecting with them. I was sitting there before You know, and they were there in the background. It's like, hey, pretty well done, Airbnb owner. But suddenly you can see them. So is this about going out in nature? Is this about, you know, helping us find those tracks and and hikes that we can find those flowers through?
1: It is. It is about going into nature. I mean, if you can do that, by all means, do more of that. But it's also about bringing nature into our lives, because many of us don't have time to be out in nature as much as we'd love yeah, to. Yeah,
0: sadly, yeah.
1: You know, and in the olden days, this isn't a new concept. So medicine men and women, shaman, doctors, alchemists all over the globe, they would recommend to their patients to go out into the wild and drink the dew drops on the tops of flowers. And they knew which specific flower to send you to go to whatever your heart was going through. Okay. Look for this one over this hill this color, and then drink the dew drops every morning because water is like a recording device and it can pull in all the information into its clusters. And then we drink the water or put it on our bodies. It goes into the waters of our bodies and we entrain to that through sympathetic resonance, a lot of big words, but essentially by taking that elixir or that dew We allow our energies to be harmonized, but going out and drinking dew every morning is also not practical. In
0: this day, Mm. (laughs) we could make that a practice. I mean, like you know, we've built cities where we go out and do weird things every day. Maybe that should be part of what we plan, right? (laughs) Yeah,
1: maybe. Um, Mm -hmm. but then in the 1930s and 40s, a doctor figured out how to scale that dew so how to how to collect, capture, and bottle that dew of endless flowers around the world so that we can very easily put it into our coffee, water, tea, put it in our mouth, so that we can then bring those frequencies of nature in to our our modern crazy lifestyle.
0: Mm -hmm. So Katie, what you do then is you, are you reproducing the work of all of those spiritual teachers, shamans, and the doctors of the 1930s, or are you exploring flowers on your own
1: on my own so i'm just sort of renegade going out into nature nature is my teacher i mean the earth is my teacher in terms of what do humans really need today or at least what do the people Mm -hmm. that i can touch in my one lifetime what do they need and how can i collect what's needed most needed for today you know right because every year things change every decade things change what we needed in 2015 is totally different than what we need in 2021 So it's this kind of alive dialogue and communication with the earth as to, you know, what do we as humans need most and can I find it and can I bottle it and can I connect people with that or connect all of us? Oh my God.
0: Can I walk behind you while you do this? (laughs) Sure. I I, I swear I won't talk. (laughs) So you walk out in nature like the old shamans, you sort of sense and feel what the flower is telling you and then you try and see if you can bring that back to us. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. And you call that a job? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So give me a few examples. You started the conversation by saying like, I'm surrounded by all of that noise. Uh, You know, cities are penetrating every cell of my body. I can't sleep. So I I need to change that messaging into my body. What would be a a flower remedy for that?
1: My God, it's endless. So uh, yarrow, which is a little white flower, is for revitalizing your body's natural energies after EMFs, radiation, cell phone, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, computer, flying, all of that. Bird of Paradise, I'll just throw out some examples so you can see the range. Bird of Paradise is for when you have a really creative mind, lots of ideas, but hard to turn it off at night. passion flower is
0: anybody yeah <laughs> <You're Because. right>? <laughs> <laughs> passion flowers what, what are those
1: uh when you're you've just been going 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 your rpms are too high but also like you can't just let yourself relax or take a nap or sleep you're just kind of amped up passion flower helps you let go pretty much anything you could imagine workaholic any kind of pains of the heart being abandoned rejected broken hearted Uh, wanting more out of life, being afraid of something, anything you could imagine that any human could experience, there is a flower for it.
0: Remember when uh, Steve Jobs did those ads of the app store, there is an app for that. (laughs) (laughs) So you're, you're saying there is a flower for that. Again, I mean, let me ask this in a different way, because if you're a gentleman like me, and you're, you deal with wonderful ladies in the world in your lifetime, you learn the language of flowers, like, you know, This flower indicates this kind of love, that flower indicates passion and so on and so forth. This is not what you're saying at all. You're saying the actual essence of a flower, not the way we've sort of branded it, is a certain frequency, a certain energy that gets into our body and literally does work. It's almost like a painkiller just switches off your nerve receptors somehow. A flower would actually change something biologically in us
1: yeah it's beyond symbolism. It's beyond this flower symbolizes love, for example. It literally is in those clusters of water, it is information, an incredibly pure source that when introduced into your body, it works like acupuncture without the needles. Oh,
2: wow. So
1: for you know three to five thousand years in the Eastern culture, Acupuncture has been a very revered and well-researched practice. We have all these, you know, meridians and energy roadways, pathways through our body, and multiple points that can be like gateways into our energy system. Mm -hmm. Similar practice. The flower remedies are zooming through your meridian system just like needles would open up energetic pathways in your body. In this case, it's just the life force of plants and flowers
0: but not as vividly right it's not like an immediate effect instant are you serious
1: yeah and it, you know it depends on people's awareness some people feel it immediately like there are flowers that bring you joy and if someone you know puts them in your tea or miss them around you you just immediately laugh
0: no way so that
1: would that's a drug. that would be like <laughs> it's not a drug
0: <laughs> don't, don't say that publicly the government will ban it just say it's it eases your feelings right
1: <laughs> i can give you another example so in working with it's fun to work with chinese medicine folks because they feel of course, yeah. everything in your pulse right
2: mm-hmm.
1: so if our traditional chinese medicine doctor came and said okay mo let me feel your pulse and they get a good handle on okay which organs are strong which are a little weak what parts need to be tweaked in your energy uh-huh. system They would then formulate a protocol of where they put what needles in your body, right? Correct. So then you can take a flower essence and just by placing it on your body, like that's it. You don't even have to take it. Just putting it into your energy system, wait a few seconds. They take your pulse again and everything has changed. It's almost like the first needling protocol that they would do has already been done Mm -hmm. and now they can move to a deeper level a second like the second appointment does that make sense
0: wow so then when they measure again you're different Mm -hmm. oh wow i love that tell me katie so i heard you say this twice once today actually you said all of the people i can reach in my lifetime when you did your ted talk you said So I calculate all of the humans I can work with in my lifetime if I slept very little and just worked, 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 (laughs) and and they'd end up being 76,000 people, right?
1: (laughs) Wow, you do your research.
0: (laughs) I was very intrigued by the topic. And and then you, I mean, for many people, affecting the life of 76,000 people the way you've just described is amazing. But you seem to disregard that as a very small number. Why would that be?
1: I think because I... I want to be as powerful as nature.
0: Oh wow. Okay, guys, this is going to be the slogan. <laughs> the slogan of this episode is I want to be as powerful as nature. All okay. right. Yes. <laughs> let me
1: explain. Let me explain. Okay, so the healing powers of mother nature are exponential and I think that's what fascinates me so much and I believe that that we can tap into that for all of humanity. And this sounds really woo-woo, but let me just explain it in the context of something like Forest bathing, yoku. This is a, a documented practice in Japan.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They take it so seriously in Japan that they have certified 44 national Japanese forests to be worthy of this particular practice. And they've studied at the Tokyo Medical School. And they've found that if you engage in this practice called forest bathing, which sounds like getting into a bathtub in the trees, but in fact, there's no water involved. It just means bathing in the energy of all the plants and the trees and the flowers. If you go out into the wild for one day, your adrenaline and cortisol plummet, your white blood cells increase for one week. So your stress goes way down, your immune system is boosted, and all of those benefits last in your body for one week. That's already incredible. We would tend to think like, well, it would last for a day, right? It would be an equal exchange. It's never an equal exchange. Mother Nature always gives way more than than we think. Okay, now, Mo, if you spent two full days in the wild, your body will maintain those health benefits for an entire month.
0: Oh, it's exponential.
1: It's exponential. So, I mean, the thought of like talking to people one-on-one and reaching 76,000 people is amazing, but also could we be more exponential? Is there a way to... It's almost like planting the seed of a particular energy that is set into motion like a wheel... And knowing that we rub off on each other, that our energy is contagious, could we think more exponentially like what if there are a hundred people or what if there are thousands of people, what if there's 3% of the world's population actively working with these flower and plant remedies in a way such that it creates a tipping point and starts to affect other people, even those who are not working with the remedies.
0: I'm a huge believer in that. I'm a huge believer that all you need to do, as a matter of fact, this was the the real topic of my entire movement. One Billion Happy was about the idea that if you can change one person and they change two people and then those change two people each, eventually in the future, we will all have changed the world. But of course, my next book, Scary Smart, is basically a a prophecy, if you want, that basically says the world needs to change and the world needs to change in so many ways, one of which is that we find that balance. We find our own essence as humans. And it's in- amazing that you say 3% because I say exactly the same. I say it doesn't really matter. There is never going to be a point where all of us are going to change. All we need is for the best of us to change, is for enough of us to show the entire universal intelligence, if you want, that the best of humanity looks like this. It doesn't matter what what those who are catching up still look like. What matters is that the best of humanity can look like this. And I think the reality is that you're absolutely right. If, If we get to even 3%, in an exponential function type of way, you were six and a half doublings away from getting to 100%. So from a mathematics point of view, it's actually not that big of a deal. Once you got to the 3%, it's quite interesting that you picked that number. Can I ask you in in all of those trips out in nature, so what is your experience there? Do you go disappear? Do you go, (laughs) you guys should have seen how she sighed and said, oh, (laughs) yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is by far the most magical part of the job. And when when we're able to travel, we are typically three to four times a year doing the collection mm. process.
0: We here is who?
1: We would be like myself and my photographer, videographer, or team of collectors. Yeah, I mean, it's evolved a lot over time. It is a wild and weird process. The very first time I went to collect flower essences, the very first time, was a crazy experience that I could never replicate, it's never happened again, where I was in British Columbia, up in the Arctic north of Whistler. I didn't know anything about the flowers out there, right? Like I'm not a botanist. I didn't you know, have a good handle on all the Latin names, identify whatever, (laughs) not me. It was more like, I'm going to meditate, I picked a special day, I'm gonna do Tai Chi, I'm gonna get down on my knees and say, please show me what the people that I can touch need most. And then the weirdest things happened. Like, which way should I go? You probably heard the story in the TED Talk. This huge bear came out mm-hmm. and, and crossed the path. So I followed where the bear had been.
0: Very wise, I would have to say, Katie. So, you know, a bear comes to you and spares you. <laughs> <laughs> right? like, you don't think of, okay, let me run the other way. <laughs> you you actually walk behind the bear. How, how wonderful. <laughs>
1: And then, you know, a series of other animals would come up, butterflies, snakes, to... Yeah, I
0: experienced that sometimes.
1: ...point out flowers. Mm. The crazy part, you know, and in the process, I was like, I've got to be nuts. <laughs> I mean, I've got to be... If I took this seriously, I have to be nuts. But if I, you know, also, what's the harm? Why don't I just play and explore? But I can tell you from my experience that those flowers I collected on that trip, because that was quite some time ago, Those were the flowers that every person in my community needed the most for the last 10 years. So there's something to it. And then, you know, in more recent past, I've been really into orchid hunting, I think, because I wanted a challenge, you know, like, could I find this thing that's so hard to find? It's almost endangered. So I would find myself in Iceland or Costa Rica or across the United States looking for hard to find orchids. And that's been another interesting learning because I realized that you can you can call out to places before you get there. You know there is I had read that in Native American cultures and indigenous cultures before they would create plant remedies, you know even like herbs, tinctures, teas, they would tell the plants, I have this patient, they have this problem, I need your help with this.
2: <laughs>
1: mm. And then in modern day science, they studied that particular process. And they found that when a medicine man or woman would make a request to the plant within 24 to 48 hours, the chemical constituents would actually change inside the plant to honor that request.
0: What does that mean? I mean, there is so much we do not understand here. Yeah. Are those beings, are they intelligent? Are they working for us? Are they connected to us? Are we imagining them? Are we changing them? What does that mean? I mean,
1: I could even tell you a story about a gentleman named Cleve Baxter, who worked for the CIA. He was the top trainer in the polygraph machine, so the lie detector machine, right? Mm -hmm. must have been an odd fellow because he got curious one night in his office and wanted to hook up the polygraph to his office plants. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Did he? (laughs) Okay. (laughs)
1: What kind of mind, right?
0: I mean, you have all of those. (laughs) Love is not limited to, you know, I think we are now going into being fluidity. So yes. Okay. Yes. Yes.
1: So he got curious. He hooked them up to the plants and he began to measure their, you know, stress levels and what they would register on the machine. And then he said, I wonder what would happen if I took out a match and lit one leaf on fire and the machine started to freak out. The plant started to freak out which freaked no him way. out because he didn't mm-hmm. even get the matches out yet. He just thought about getting out the matches and lighting one leaf on fire. In that moment, he realized, holy shit, these plants are sentient. And not only are they sentient, but they read my thoughts. They read my intentions instantaneously the moment that it arises. That led, like, he did a whole series of really interesting experiences. He even found out that regardless of time or space, your plant can feel what you are feeling. He had an office mate who had his own office plants who went home. It was his birthday. He didn't know they were going to do a surprise birthday celebration. He drove across a few states several hundred miles to get to his home. And when he reached the door and they all jumped out and said, surprise, It's a positive stress, right? But regardless, he didn't know what was going to happen. So stress registered in his body. And at that same exact moment, his office mate, Cleve, went to check the polygraph machine of the plant. (laughs) And the plant was also registering the stress.
0: Freaking out.
1: (laughs) So things like that help us see that even though they're operating at a different pace, much slower, right? We don't see that plants are moving. If we watch, like the co-author of the book that I wrote, Louis Schwartzberg, if we look at his work and his time-lapse photography, we see that plants are actually moving and dancing. Mm -hmm. They're just at such a slower rate, so we tend to disregard them. So to answer your question, yes, they are sentient. Yes, they are in service to us. Yes, they they feel us and our intentions. And even I, knowing that intellectually is one thing, but when I'm out in the collection mode and like for example, I was looking for an orchid in southern Minnesota area, super endangered orchid, like about to disappear off the planet. And I thought, how cool would it be to have an essence of that? So if it no longer is here, we still have the medicine of it. Mm. And so for months before I knew I was gonna go there, I would say, like I would do my meditation practice and in prayer I would say, Oh, and by the way, you know, I'm gonna throw my energy out to this place. Like I'm coming. I'm coming in July. If you want me to find you, if you want to be of service to the world, please let me find you quickly. Please help me find you. So I did that every day, every day, every day. Sounds like loopy doop, right?
0: It's very, I think it's very sweet to believe that. Look, I mean, in my mind, I actually have a very firm belief that there are so many things about life that we don't know. And so I never allow my brain to say, no, that's not possible. I allow my brain to say, oh, that's not scientifically proven, but if I can (laughs) trust, right? If I can trust your experience as a human that I connected with, then if you tell me it's possible, it is possible. And I think that's, I call it compartment too. It's something I cannot prove for or against. It's something that we need to keep open. As the old days where people didn't believe that the earth was round, they did just so rigidly said it was flat. And then suddenly you realize, oops, we were all wrong. Sorry, the horizon is a little curved. We take that back after have, having <laughs> killed a few scientists, but sorry about that, right? So you're out there, you're saying, to the universe or to the orchid itself? Please help me find you.
1: I mean, if we already know that underneath the soil mm-hmm. of the earth that we step on, there is a single cell layer of mycelium or mushroom that connects everything from one end to the earth to the other, basically like the mother earth's network or internet.
2: Yeah, of communication. System. Yeah.
1: Then if we say to the earth underneath our feet, it should reach. Okay, so I know it sounds a little far-fetched, but even in my own mind, I was like, wow, just try it. So fast forward a few months, we get to Minnesota. We're going on this huge road trip of flower lounge events, going to various cities, and we carved out some time so we could go through Minnesota. And of course, I reached out to all the botanists in that area, like, can you give me a hint where it's growing? No, everybody tight-lipped, closed, slam door, like endangered species, we don't want you to know where this is. Okay. So no help there. (laughs) So we just started driving through areas that we thought it might be growing in. And I kid you not, 10 minutes, you know, it was like, oh, why don't we go down this road? Oh, let's go down this road. There was one road called Touch the Sky. And I was like, (laughs) whoa, let's take that road. That sounds amazing. Touch the sky. It just caught my attention, you know. Mm. We drove down the road and I was like, I thought, I think I see something in the distance. You know, orchids have a very particular like look and shape and energy to them. Mm. So the, the driver stopped the car. I ran out. The photographer ran out. We ran to the place and our jaws dropped. Here's the orchid. Like 15 minutes into looking. How could this be possible? I mean, there's like fields and fields and fields and fields. We could have driven for weeks looking for this thing. So... The sun is about to set. There's like one tiny little cloud up in the sky. It's, it's this beautiful like apricot orange skies, you know, clear, with this little teeny cloud above us. And we're standing there just staring at this flower. Like, how can we find this so quickly? <laughs> and the tiny cloud above our heads, the sky is clear, except for this tiny little cloud above our heads, rumbles, thunder. Mm. And in that moment, it was like the land was almost like greeting us, like acknowledging our presence, like how this tiny little cloud above us, you know, and then it rained like this really gentle plop rain for two minutes. And then that was it. And the full moon rose and the moon was like red in color. And the fireflies all started dancing around. I mean, it was just unbelievably magic. And in that moment in my body, undeniable that there was a direct communication you know we felt like our presence was noticed
0: i love your life i love your life and i actually i again once again i say that sometimes when i'm sitting with a guest even though we're on the internet there is a certain energy that i hope you will feel uh, in katie's voice but if you see her you know her face her body language I said it at the beginning, every time I watched one of your videos, you're a flower. And as a matter of fact, I don't know if you if you sense this, but you're slightly slower than our pace. Are you slightly slower than our pace as a human? Like we're, we're always rushing in that mad dash that humans rush through, but you seem to be at a slightly different frequency. And I have to admit, when you were telling this story, I actually felt every minute of it. It just was almost as if I was there, which I sometimes don't allow myself to feel with other stories, but this seems to be worthy of science, worthy of understanding, because if this is possible, can you imagine what else is possible? If we can connect to mother nature in this way, and I, I know for certain that the generations before us did, can you imagine what we would be capable of as humanity?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think in some ways science has destroyed us in some ways, right? Because it It started with something really beautiful and pure called curiosity. And then it turned into something very deductive, very about separation versus interconnectedness. And if we could get back to interconnectedness and curiosity and wonder, we may find that actually many of the answers to understanding how things work are actually within us, that we have much more grasp on what's happening around us through our own personal experience and intuition, than having someone from an external world with a white coat or a lab coat, dissecting and deducting into tiny pieces and trying to understand that way.
0: I totally agree. I, you know, it's almost like we're carrying heavy loads 10 stories high when we could simply not even be in an elevator, we could be transported, teleported to where we need to be if we found another path but science is very rigid in terms of it only exists if it's measurable and i think that's really you know where we get limited if not every human can regenerate an experience like yours then in the eyes of science it's not to be reproducible in a scientific way so i can't study it
1: and there's so much that science doesn't understand like science will tell you that 90% of the, in, the dna in your cells is called junk dna I know. What does that mean, junk DNA?
0: And you know what that means? That makes me laugh every time. It's the arrogance of humanity. The arrogance of humanity is if we can't sequence it, it's junk. Okay? <laughs> we, can, we, can, <laughs> we can only sequence 3%, the rest is junk. That's it. And That's also crazy, the brain,
1: right? The science yeah. would say we only use 10% of our brain. I, even as yeah. a kid, even as a small child, I would wonder well, what about the rest of the 90%? Like if I could actually use all of the the rest of the 100%, or maybe let's just say, let's go from 10% to 50%. (laughs) What would I be capable of? Or if we could activate some of this junk DNA?
0: My very own personal experience was mind-blowing, to be honest. So, you know, I've been told I'm reasonably intelligent. So, you know, slightly above the average, but I've constantly in my entire life used only my left brain very analytical, very linear, very fact-driven, very scientific methods-driven, and incredibly mathematical. So literally for me, it's like, yeah, yeah, you can tell me a story that will take three minutes. I'll be very impatient until you (laughs) give me the number, right? Can you please give me the number, right? And then five and a half years ago, I realized, and I actually heard it in my head. I don't want to say like a voice, but basically I woke up one day and my left brain said, I can't take you any further. That's it. What you're looking for is not physical. I am very interested in my spiritual side. And so it won't be found in what I can analyze as a left brain. And so I started to connect more with my feminine qualities, if you want. And I am so much smarter. It is just literally, I had one full 50% of my capabilities never used. Yeah, you know, linear thinking on my left brain is matched and over even beaten by intuition on my right brain. And if you can just imagine the intelligence, the Pandora's box that you open when you allow yourself something like intuition, what if I allowed myself like you to sense rather than analyze, rather than observe? and how would my world of information be constructed and accordingly, what kind of intelligence would I be able to work with? It's just we're limiting ourselves in so many weird ways. Humanity's arrogance is just crippling us, I think. If you listen to all of those flowers, all of those beautiful redwoods and forests, what are they telling us about I actually, I'm surprised that this is never discussed. You watch something like Our Planet or any of the environmentalist documentaries, and they'll talk about species dying that are mostly animals and fish and birds and so on, but nobody actually really covers the biodiversity of flowers. I've never heard the statistics on that. Are we destroying that too?
1: Mm, yeah. I mean, there are 40,000 flowering species of plants on the earth, but I would say, yeah, we're on the road. We're on the road to destroying the earth, especially with things like electric cars. You know, everyone thinks that, oh, electric cars are going to be so much better for the environment, but then they don't think about all of the waste that comes out of the batteries. Mm. Um. So that's like one pretty fast track for for destroying the earth is the, like the fallout from all the batteries of the electric cars that are coming.
0: Yeah. And the replacement cycle itself, you know, all of the old cars that you've already destroyed the planet to make, but now you're taking them off the road. So yeah, I advocate that. What would connecting to flowers change? Is there a way for us to connect so that we can actually sense that differently?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the the very first thing that one feels is a deep sense of trust in yourself. We have seen, especially over the last few years, Many people are giving away their sovereignty or giving away their sense of self-trust, believing all kinds of hype and stories and chaos in the external world versus just turning towards inside and saying, And how do I feel? Do I feel that there is a something great and terrible happening, or do I feel okay? You know, something I, I watched over the last couple of years in our community is that people who are regularly taking flower remedies were not In the least bit, swayed, moved, scared, or had any sort of blip on the emotional scale about 2020 or 2021. It's like, hmm, like I feel like that's all kind of theater and I don't feel connected to that. You know, they felt so rooted into the truth of their being that they're like literally unaffected. So I think that's the first thing we begin to feel is this sense of incredible power within ourselves and also trust that we can trust what comes from inside of ourselves versus having to be led and you know, having to find information from outside sources.
0: Mm. And I think if we can actually turn inside and find that deep connection, then all is okay.
1: All is okay.
0: With that, I think we leave you guys to think. I loved our conversation, Katie. I'm so grateful that you spent the time And I hope you guys loved it too. And and I hope that you turn to yourselves inside to think about all of this. We spoke about, first of all, how off balance we are and how finding a bit of balance and connecting with nature, even if it's not directly in the forest, but through some alchemist that can actually give you that in a natural, but at least bottled format. Think about all of what we don't know and the ability for someone to actually follow a bear her current place in life (laughs) and think about what we're actually doing to nature, because I have to agree. I don't know if you've noticed, but when Katie was asked, she said, yeah, yeah, we're destroying nature. Yes, we are. And I think it's about time that we do something about it. With that, I will say perhaps one thing you could do is to slow down a little bit, because We're rushing, rushing, rushing in a mad dash in a life that is actually sometimes not worth all of the running. I love you all for listening, and I will see you next time.